Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Jason Kyle from uh, the Living Dead Minute, the daily podcast where we resurrect, revitalize, and reanimate uh, George Romero's 1968 classic zombie movie, Night of the Living Dead, one minute at a time. Uh, you can check me out on that, or you can find me on social media at That Might Be Cool or on the Savage Land podcast. Alrighty, cool. And today on Man of Steel, we're talking about minute number 59. And the minute starts with Lois uh, stating that she's dropping her story. Uh, and then the minute ends with some nice establishing shots of Smallville, Kansas. Um, here in this minute, uh, we're starting to see, uh, not only we're starting to see it, but she's starting to see it as well, is that there's consequences to her actions as we are starting to see more. Uh, we're starting to uh, kind of, yeah, we're starting to see it now. We're starting right? to grasp that whole concept. Yeah, we're starting to grasp of, that concept. Thank you for finishing my sandwiches. Um, but like, yeah, we're starting to see, we're starting to see the consequences of her abrasiveness, her, her boldness. And, um, she's starting to realize it too, because she, she walks into this room very defeated already or walks into the whole office. Um, because she's just had like this kind of, uh, revelation about her story and, and, and the person that it surrounds and, uh, keyword being person. Um, and so, um, coming into this office she she's already had this mentality she should just drop the whole thing uh she's not going to run with the story and perry white is kind of um uh normally there's there's back and forth there's uh, there's a lot of tension between them but perry white is kind of surprised in this minute because there is no fight uh like lois lane has no fight right now like she's not fighting back or anything and that kind of is alarming to him mm-hmm. um he kind of keeps laying into her, but uh, throughout, she's just kind of like, you know what, uh, I, I admit defeat, which is nothing like Lois Lane in the rest of these films. Um, and he's uh, kind of taken aback. He's like, uh, what, why are you dropping the story? Like, what's what's going on? Like, why are you doing this? Um, and I think, it's, I think it's because, you know, Clark has really changed her opinion. Uh, and, and making her regret her decisions for trying to, to out him, which is hard to do. And only a person like Clark Kent could have done something like that, you know? Yeah, I mean... Lois Lane, finally, is a, yeah. she's a stubborn, stubborn old, old journalist. She'll, she'll hold on to anything unless Clark yeah. Kent says it. Yeah, exactly. I think the fact that it is Clark Kent being the one to, like, actually, like, stop such an unstoppable force that is Lois Lane, like you know what like perfect storytelling to you know have him be the the one to like listen you gotta rethink everything and you know she's not one to do that but she she will for this guy which is you know i like that it's a nice uh i don't know it's it's a nice supporting playing off of these two characters it's it's nice that that happened yeah i enjoy that i think it's a it's a plus for me um let's see i don't know if you guys wanted to jump in at any point <laughs> no that's good i mean i'm I'm waiting until i'm waiting until she gets grounded oh yeah where he's <laughs> like what does he say two years it's your penance two weeks two uh, weeks oh what did i say no pay 
two years. You two said years. two years. Damn, I'm sorry. Two weeks. <laughs> two years no pay would be a little rough. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I'd, I'd struggle if I had to go two years without pay. Yeah, sorry. Wrong word. <laughs> English is hard. Um. Yeah. yeah. Well, like first, um, you know, she has the 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 whole excuse that the leads went cold, and you know, Perry doesn't believe it. So of course he wouldn't. Yeah. So I don't. I I was. I guess it makes sense after you said that they they're they're used to the whole back and forth fighting, and that's what Perry's looking for. Um, but I never really got the punishing aspect of this scene. It's like, okay, I'm dropping the story. Like, okay, yeah, you did leak uh, an article, and we learn later that the publisher is going to sue him, so, like, you, you are going to punish your employee. But to, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, it always just struck me as just like a... Like, why is he, like, adding on to her... Yeah, that was going to be my next one. Like, you know, but still, it's like, okay, I have to, I still have to punish this employee because I'm because getting threatened ex- to Because the publishing, yeah. the higher-ups are expecting him to sue her. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he has to do something. So yeah, I, the publishers it, want him to sue her. So yeah, it's just like he's he's sort of compromising by saying, okay, I'm not going to sue her, but, you know. I'm not going to pay gotta her. you got to be suspended. Yeah. There has to be some accident, yeah. Yeah, like and then some, I think I guess there has to be some accountability or punishment for it. Yeah, and then I think there are two reasons why he, you know, you know, after that there are two reasons why he he tries to tack on that that third week is because like one he knows that her punishment could be way worse, so like throwing another week is is you know would be no problem for the higher ups to be like, yeah, all right, you you gave her three weeks, that's better than two weeks and so then a lot. three yeah. weeks with no pay jesus yeah exactly um that yeah hurts you way more than you would think um and but then the other reason is like again like she's not fighting back and he's not used to it so it's kind of like a you know you're just kind of like he's basically it's his way of saying like yo why aren't you fighting back like, i'm throwing you another week of no pay like what's like you know where's you're not going to talk about it. I'm, you know, I'm threatening you with a, a third week, so that's that's why he he does that. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. Yeah, I think he, he was trying to get get her to like talk or something, get her to to yeah, you know, try and respond get a, at least a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Um. But what is, she says something when she turns around, um, right? Um, he's, 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 I mean. The leads go cold. I don't believe that. And she, you know, two weeks, no pay. And she's like, okay. And then, you know what? Make it three weeks. And she's just Perry. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, what does he? He says uh, to her. Um, he's like, is is it him saying, "I believe you're doing the right thing"? And then she's like, "Why?" Or is that come after the fact? That's after the fact. Or she's like, oh, yeah. Um, Oh, what does he say? He does say something like, oh, I believe you're doing the right thing. Um, Whatever your reasons are for dropping it. Believe you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then she says why. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she says why. So I was right. <laughs> Damn, confusing me. Sorry. Um, and because he, he delivers, to me, one of the greatest lines of this film, where he's like, could you imagine how people of this planet would react if they knew a person like that existed? And to me, this is, like, the backbone of this film. Like, to yeah. me, this is, like, Zack Snyder, David Goyer, Christopher Nolan, like, everyone 
is Deborah Snyder. They're all sitting in a room, and, like, that was the question. That, like, this is the question that probably is the whole basis of most of this film, where they're like, can you imagine how people would react if Superman existed? Yeah. Like, right now in the year 2013. And, it like... It's not even in any of the two trailers or the teaser that came out for Man of Steel. Um, and I, I don't know why it wasn't, but it, it just feels like that should have been an audio clip in one of the trailers. It's just like, because it's just just a really like heavy question. And I think it was it, it's really important in this film. It's really important for like the whole basis of this film in its entirety. And... Uh, I think definitely like this is one of the stronger questions um, that audiences need to kind of soak in and and kind of acknowledge, comprehend, and also ask themselves the same question. So I think it's a really important question in this film. Um, definitely top of the list um, among other ones in this film. But yeah, this is to me what a what a line, you know? Absolutely. Um, so. It kind of also brings home the fact of, of what Clark was trying to convey to Lois in the graveyard there, and now she's hearing it being repeated at her uh, from a different character and from, you know, Clark would hear it from his dad, uh, you know, who's like an authoritative figure in his life, and now she's hearing like the same exact thing from an authoritative figure in her life. So it really sets in, you know, the aspect of, maybe I was wrong with chasing down this story. You know, I wasn't thinking about the person who he is. I was thinking about just the story and the acts that he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to have to help me out because that was the end of my notes. <laughs> um. <laughs> there's. It doesn't feel like there's, you know, necessarily too much to, to cover in this minute. I mean, it's all... You know, it all takes place in the same sort of scene, and you know, it's kind of just more the dynamic uh, between between Perry and Lois. Um, I mean, they do they do a great job of you know, sort of like uh, furthering the relationship that they have and kind of you know, establishing their dynamic um, even more. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily have too much other than like I was wondering because he's talking about you know how the public would react to seeing an alien and stuff like this, like. I I don't know, like, that's the genuine question for me is, like, how, you know, because they're talking about this, they keep asking this question, like, how would people act? How would people, you know, what would people respond to this like? But what, like, what are they actually afraid of? Like, what is it that they feel like is so bad when they're asking these questions that, that they, as a paper, you know, wouldn't want to do? Are you asking what w- what would they be afraid of? Yeah, I mean, just like like in terms of like for Perry White specifically, like what's he so worried about, and or or even Lois, like. Well, I think it's the uncertainty. Like Perry White doesn't know how people would react, and that's why he's asking it. Um, if you ask me what I thought people would, you know, be afraid of, um, it's definitely the powerlessness, loss of control, like to to know that someone well, but- is better than you in almost every way. Yeah, and and I I know that like it's just it's you know they're talking especially like Lois they're afraid of doing this because you know and and Perry mentions this as well like they're you know they're because they don't know how people would react but I don't think that any newspaper has gone 
you know, oh, we shouldn't publish this because it will make people afraid. Uh, I think it's like the question that I have is sure they might be afraid, but what are they actually going to do? Like what is, you know, going to actually happen other than them just being afraid or feeling powerless? I think he's got a point here because now I'm kind of calling back to Dawn of Justice in when was it Dawn? I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in Dawn of Justice when they have the framed newspaper heading of Kennedy's death. And it's kind of almost mm-hmm. the same thing. Like, well, when the public saw that newspaper and, the, you know, the actual picture of him in the motorcade with, you know, all of that around him and, and whatnot, like, was the paper thinking about how is the world going to react when, when we publish this? So it kind of has that callback to it. And now I'm thinking, oh, wow, I think the shot of, you know, Kennedy shot uh, in that one scene is exactly calling back to this. It's kind of, you can compare them both, you know, a real world situation versus a situation that we're, you know, in a fictional world here, but we're making it into such a real world thing. If they publish this story, they would be the ones um, blowing the whistle on this. It wasn't like, you know, everyone in the world was like televising, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy during that day. So like everyone saw and everyone reported it. So the whole world reacted. Um, but I think like with them being the ones to deliver the story, like they're the ones going to be causing this this uh, uproar. Sure, but I mean the the first element of journalism is to inform the public, right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. whether it's of of threats or goings on or anything like that, like no no newspaper has ever held off on a story because they think it will make people afraid. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of one of the sort of central elements of, of journalism is to inform the public of things that they might be afraid of because, you know, knowledge is power and it's better to, to know it than to stay ignorant. And so I like it's just it's one of those things where I'm watching this and I'm going, OK, like I get I get that people would be afraid. I get that people would be powerless and they'd be scared. But that doesn't seem like a good motivation for a newspaper or any type of, you know, journalist to yeah. withhold information you know like there, there's got to be something that they you know like i can understand if they had a story where if they published it people would die you know i understand that but if it's just if we publish this a bunch of people are going to be afraid and feel powerless i don't i don't see that as a motivation of not publishing a story yeah it uh, might it might be because they were getting you know the how they said in previous minutes how the pentagon denied all of lois lane's claims and and yada yada so it might make it seem like they would I don't know, aside from keeping the world afraid, maybe Perry White's thinking about the integrity of the Daily Planet and it, it might discredit them because maybe the U.S. Yeah, that it would discredit be it. like, yeah. Um, we well, and, and they, they did establish that, but it's in this mission, in this minute he talks about, like he says, you know, basically, do you, like he's, he's saying, you know, that he sort of approves her, like he, that he approves of her decision not to publish it because, you know, because of how the world would react to Superman. Like that's sort of the thing that he says in this minute. Um, and that's just like, that's, that's the, where the disconnect happens for me that I just don't see, I don't see that logic actually following through. Yeah. And I think it, it's, well, we know that Lois Lane wanted to, uh, publish the story because of just that, because of, you know, that's what journalism does. They inform the public of what's really going on in the world. Um, but we know that the only reason that she doesn't want to publish it is because she respects the person that she's been trailing this whole time. And she now realizes like, I can't do that to this guy. So she does that out of respect. Yeah. 
Um, he does it out of uncertainty. He doesn't know what's going to happen. I don't think he has an idea of what will happen because if he did, then he would probably, you know, as a, you know, higher up, you probably, you know, okay, let's just run the story because we know how people are going to react. So maybe we can tailor the story, but like, he doesn't know how the world's going to react. Like this is, there's nothing, there's never been a story like this. That's going to completely change the world. Yeah, I just I feel like any and that this is I, I don't know I mean I guess for me there's not like much of a resolution for it but like any publisher worth their worth their weight if they're you know in the business of journalism isn't going to wonder about how the public will react as much as they're going to say okay you know our job is to give them the information and let them react how they wish but an informed public is the primary motivator behind any type of news outlet or journalistic source. Um, and so we're going to inform them and then see how they react afterward. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, I don't know, I I don't think that the reaction should ever dictate the story. Um, and so it's just like one of those things where it just doesn't add up to me. Well, let's, uh, look at another, uh, Amy Adams film called Arrival in which they learn about aliens and those, uh, governments don't really have the best of times when they find that out. So maybe that's a film that we can look at and seeing like, oh, that's how people react to uh, first contact with aliens. You know, maybe, um, I don't know, like <sighs> learning about aliens exist, existing. It's, I feel like if they publish that story, if the Daily Planet puts out a story being like, yo, aliens exist, like, like all governments, not just the U.S. government, they would just be crashing down on the Daily Planet. Like, why would you tell people aliens exist? What's wrong with you? Like, don't you like can't you think about something before you put something out like that especially with that amount of proof to prove that it's real like it's just like uh why did you do that now we have to deal with all of our citizens and you know the whole world population having to deal with the fact that aliens exist i'm sure like yeah some of us would be like um okay cool aliens exist called it um but like for most people, their their religions are shattering, their cultures are shattering. There, you know, there might be uh, political or territorial tensions between certain uh, countries that maybe it it lights, uh, you know, it, it ignites something in certain nations. So, it's... yeah, and I and I see all those fears. I just like it to me. It that doesn't that's never been something that news outlets or journalists have ever even thought to consider because their primary motivation isn't you know what happens after the story is published it's you know to publish the story and let the public know about whatever it is that they've uncovered yeah and so the only thing that 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 journalists are ever concerned with is check your sources make sure the story is accurate make sure it's right but then let the public interpret that however they want you know so i don't know you know it's a it's a big old rabbit hole and it's like probably one of my bigger sticking points in this movie of just like that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know? it's like, almost if it's yeah. the government. If it's like the government saying, "Oh, we know Superman exists, but we don't want to tell the people," I understand that the government has a long history of like saying, "Oh no, we're going to withhold this to prevent public panic." But as far as news outlets go, it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like you're saying it's just so. it's it's not out of the character of Perry White, but it's out of the character of the position of, of editor of editor in chief of an entire of, of exactly. the biggest newspaper yeah so i get what you're saying and uh yeah. I, I i do kind of agree with you um it does kind of just go back to me thinking that once something is published in the daily planet perry white has to take all of the 
blame consequences uh credit kind of deal for it all so it's like you know he has this yeah. big company to deal with if anything goes a wire and also he feels that he would be responsible for the public's reaction yeah yeah i gotcha yeah because the story also convinced because he read he had to read just he had to read the story and yeah it convinced him because he says, uh, yeah oh yeah i'm i'm like, agreeing with you yeah. i think he under i think he agrees with everything yeah that well, Lois he, saw he says uh he's that. like i believe you saw something yeah which means that had a that had a reaction with him and now maybe because he's had a reaction to you know proof that aliens exist maybe that's why he's like yo that scared the hell out of me so maybe we should just like hold off a minute yeah. you know so maybe that's why i don't yeah. know i'm just you know yeah i get you <laughs> trying to play devil's advocate here but i feel like <laughs> yeah no you're you're fine it's, it's like uh, it's one of those things that i i will probably not change my perspective on just because no. it's like been such a sticking point in my head but well, uh, no, I, I do think, i do understand the sort of possible motivations no i think that's the beauty of it is you know i'm not trying to change people's opinions i think your opinion <laughs> is is also you know that's part of the whole thing it's like how will people react you know you would react different i would react different like you know, maybe like you would publish a story. I wouldn't publish a story. Nate probably loved the story, uh, and you'd frame it on his wall if he, you know, if he was editor in chief, right like, next to my Kennedy so, getting shot know, in the head. That's the beauty of it all. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's just you know, it's crazy. Um, it's just crazy to think what would happen. So I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I think it's 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 good. It's all good stuff in my opinion, <laughs> for better yep. or worse. Yeah, yeah. Um. um Toward the end of this minute, we also start getting some of these uh, famous Zack Snyder trailer shots that are, you know, like little little vignettes of like life on a farm. You know, you got that overturned wagon and and, Mm -hmm. uh, the farm equipment and like all this stuff. Very beautiful shots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Almost doesn't feel like it fits with the film. Like, yeah, the setting is correct or, you know, it kind of goes in hand with the film, but it's almost so beautiful mm-hmm. that it, it like takes you out of it. Like you're like, damn, this is just so beautiful to look at. I feel like I'm watching like a screensaver or something. But then you're like, you know, this <laughs> is you know, it's part of a movie, and it's just it's really nicely done. I don't know whether to give him props or his uh, his cinematographer DP. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm betting it was a combination of both of them. Yeah, because <laughs> that's how movies work. <laughs> everyone works with each other um yeah so yeah but yeah they're fantastic they're beautiful and uh it's not only in this minute we see it throughout the film and throughout Zack snyder films so it is very very Zack snyder like um so but yeah they're they're fantastic they're great uh which one do we see in this one we see the the wagon and the beginning of the butterfly we'll see a butterfly yeah all right yeah, well, no, the butterfly's in the next minute. Uh, for this one, toward the end, I have it kind of playing on me here. We've got the wagon, uh, and then after the wagon, we've got kind of like the little windmill sort of thing. Oh, yeah, there. yeah. And then, yeah. And then barely the butterfly, yeah. Yeah. But cool. the wagon uh, and the windmill is like, I mean, I I just took it as establishing shots. Like, okay, we're back at a farm. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very it's a very stylized method of doing an, uh, an establishing shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and not like, um, what was I going to say? Um, you, you're not really sure if it's a flashback or if it's just a change of scene. Yeah, because yeah, they also have in that other flashback where it's like him as a kid running around with that cape. It's kind of like the same sort of 
type of establishing shots and so it's yeah. you're like wait a minute is this is this a flashback are we in present day what's going on here mhm um i do you guys remember though seeing that that trailer when that trailer first premiered and it's got a bunch of these shots in it and it's got him running around as a kid with like the Jonathan Kent sort of uh yeah you know uh monologue or whatever absolutely Such a good trailer. yeah i mean our, <laughs> yeah we had yeah we had a guest on that said that the trailers were better than the movie itself which i mean I partially agree, but that says no, that makes it. That, yeah, no, that makes it sounds like I don't like the movie. I love the movie, but the trailers were, yeah. oh my god, phenomenal! Like it, it hyped me up so much when this movie was about yeah. to come out. I think that for me, what I think it is is like the trailer is more inspirational than yeah. the movie. You know, it's it's kind of got a more sort of positive and and uh, uh, you know, I guess optimistic feel and look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when he's the kid in the and the and the carpet on his on his back, whatever, as the makeshift cape. Like that was well, yes. each as inspirational as all hell. Each trailer, well, yeah. there's one teaser, two trailers. Uh, the first teaser, uh, the original teaser, it really puts a lot of uh, it. It really hammers away the the alienation, the isolation of it, because uh, it's mostly the whole British Columbia parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's mainly just like his his journey to find himself. So the teaser really hammers that in. The very first theatrical trailer to come out is, if you look at it, every scene is in Smallville. Every it's like his whole. It's like they took all the flashbacks and like his whole growing up with Jonathan Kent and Martha Kent. Like the whole trailer is really just that. Mm. So it's very Smallville-ish, um, which is why some people probably like it. The very third one. The final one is like it, it's got to be you know most final trailers for films is like this is what this movie is from start to finish basically um, because you really got to sell people and like what this movie is so it's more Krypton heavy it's it's probably yeah. more Krypton than Kansas really so you could say that they have a trailer for the Clark Kent and then they have a trailer for the Kal El kind of basically. Um, so, I mean, I really like that final trailer, but that's because it has what I like about the film. That also has the the Zod line in it, right? Yes. Yeah, which is yeah. which is my favorite line of dialogue in this entire movie, but um, you know, delivery and everything. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I do remember I feel like I only watched that trailer once uh and was like sold American, I'm going, like, this is it. Like, I mean, as if I wasn't already, uh, you know, invested into it. But, like, I, I'm pretty sure when I remember watching that third trailer, you know, the whole goosebumps and and it opened up your world. It's like you just said, it described a lot more Krypton-based. It was, it was a little bit of a mind-blowing uh, experience. Yeah. Because it was something that you haven't seen, and nor would you think from a Superman movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but I think that yeah, that second, the first theatrical trailer really brought people into being like, oh, this is a Superman film because it is mostly Smallville and you get those nice shots that we see here. Um, so people are very like, oh, it's just going to be like classic Superman. And then like the movie comes out and it's like, that wasn't very classic Superman. So it, it kind of gets you, but it, it's, it's meant to draw in the audience and then the f- actual film is meant to like, all right. Let's kind of let's kind of uh, break your mold here. Let's 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 think differently about this. So 
Um, and they do that with the final trailer, which is what I really liked. I remember watching the first theatrical theatrical trailer and being like, mm, not really sold. But back then, I wasn't really Superman, you know, a Superman fan. So, but I do love this film. Yeah. <laughs> the teaser. Yeah, I think me. it's it's kind of interesting. Like the teasers and the trailers. I think the biggest thing is that the teasers and the trailers. Uh, were sort of like they they centered on um a lot of themes you know or like at least the major themes of the teasers and trailers uh were a bit different than the major themes of the film itself um to some extent i feel like that might be why people felt such a uh a disparity or a distinct difference between how it was advertised and and the final product because i do think that the focuses were a little bit different for both we could definitely say that about the next film, <laughs> uh, which we <laughs> yes. have a lot of problems uh, with the whole marketing behind that film. Um, but we'll get there. Uh, we'll talk about that in the next minute, uh, if you want. <laughs> uh, we would love to hear <laughs> your right. opinions about that one, and and you know what else is is on the DC universe palette. Um, of course. Um, I just want to clarify, we do love Donna Justice, but we don't like the the marketing. Sure. All right. I don't want people to think, oh, yeah. wait, you don't like well, that movie? Yeah. That's the thing, too, is like it is totally okay to love a movie and point out all of its flaws. You know what I mean? Like I Exactly. There, I mean, there are a lot of movies that I love that, that you know I will rip apart. Like The Dark Knight Rises, for instance, is a great example. I love that movie uh, absolutely, but like yes, I'm going to pick apart the hell out of it when, you know, like the, the weirdness that is Batman's odd character arc in that movie. And, you know, mm -hmm. like all the, and the, the fact of. that it freaking the, yeah. Yeah. And then like this, the fact that Joseph Gordon Levitt Levitt's name is Robin, like it, just dumb stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I hate those things, but I still love the movie, <laughs> you know? And so I don't yeah, know well. if anyone's listening and <laughs> worried about you guys loving a movie that you're doing a minute by minute podcast about. That's a little, uh, a little far. Hey, man, I'll admit flaws in, in my favorite movies. I mean, I'm not going to defend every little thing about it, but, you know, like the tornado scene we've been talking about, there are better ways to do that. I still yeah. love the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are things that would move around in this film and, and whatnot. Um, but, you know, if you're a fan of Star Wars and you're very much used to people who love Star Wars but want to trash the Star Wars universe at the same time, so, you know what, it's mm -hmm. you just got to deal with that. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I love Star Wars, but I think the prequels are terrible. Well, I don't know what you're doing, man. <laughs> that wasn't a direct quote from you, though. No, okay. I do not think that at all. <laughs> I think episode one is the best one out of the prequels, so fight me. Um, I think, see, I actually, I, I think that Return of the Jedi, or sorry, that Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi. That's where I lose a lot of Star Wars fans when I talk about it. But No, you're, I'm, that's my hey, own personal opinion. I, you I got a fan in me. I agree with that. I can't remember my <laughs> ranking. Um, but this is not Star Wars Minute, but thank you, Alex and Pete, this for <laughs> <laughs> developing the formula for Minute by Minute podcasting. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you guys very much for that. Um, but yeah, this is not Star Wars Minute. It's DC Cinematic Minute. Do you guys have anything else about this <laughs> minute? No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm great. All righty. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up uh, this minute. If you love what you hear, don't forget to leave us a great review. We will read your review on the podcast for all our other listeners to uh, listen to and enjoy. And uh, don't forget to check out Jason's podcast, Living Dead Minute, Savage Land. That might be cool network. Check all that stuff out. 
Uh, if you're looking for other podcasts, there's Stellar Dynamics. Uh, it's the uh, uh, hold on. It is the ultimate encyclopedic compendium of all things Rush, which every episode they deep dive into one album of Rush, and they go through every single track on it. And then uh, we also have Honey Hold My Beer, two gals who share craft beers and odd stories. It's a hilarious free-range podcast, so also check that one out. And we will see you guys tomorrow on DC Cinematic Minute.